You're listening to Chicago's newest Catholic voice, WSFI Catholic Radio, broadcasting on 750 WNDZ, Portage, Chicago, and WSFI, Antioch. WSFI, 88.5 FM, Catholic Radio, share Today, we will be live on the air until 6 o'clock p.m. with guest hosts, from the local community. And to say thank you for your financial support, we have some great gifts to enrich your Catholic faith. Operators are standing by right now to take your tax-deductible pledge. So call 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit wsficatholicradio.org to make your donation online. This is Matt Tomlinson, and we're not going to talk about Catholic financial life because we've got Joe Delamalier on the phone right now, and we're going to be talking with uh, with Joe for the next hour and uh, do a, a brief intro of, of, with Joe is that uh, he's a former player in the NFL, not just a former player, but an inductee to the Hall of Fame and inducted in 2003, eight-time All-Pro, six-time uh, Pro Bowl, a 1970s All-Decade team, and played 13 seasons, and I can go on and on and on because the list of accolades is so long, and I don't want to embarrass Joe. So say hi, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Doing I'm, all right. Um, glad to do the show. I'm very Catholic. Very Catholic. <laughs> well, that's that's why you're on the air, and we're going to talk a little bit about your, your life and how your Catholic your Catholic uh, faith has uh, influenced your life as uh, throughout your life and as uh, growing up and in, in college and in, in the pros and, and and afterwards. And we've had some discussions uh, recently that maybe you could reshare some of those stories. But I'm just going to start out and just uh, just basically, you went to uh, a Catholic high school and you were from Detroit, Michigan area. Just tell us what it was like growing up in a large family, in uh, a Catholic family, in in uh, growing up in uh, in the Detroit area. Okay, I went to Great Inn High School, St. Clement, okay. which was one of the oldest parishes in in the state of Michigan. The Centerline is a city surrounded by Detroit. Uh, the Centerline is one mile by one mile, one square mile, and it's called Centerline because that's where they put the center lines for the cars to. Be able to drive some order, so that's how it became Centerline. If they didn't do that, it'd still be Detroit that area. So that's how we became Centerline. And but that's just you know that's just how it was. And St. Clement is one of the oldest parishes. In, in uh, it's, they actually changed the name of it. Uh, it's not St. Clement anymore. It's um, I, I can't remember the name of it. But I I said to the priest who changed the name like 20 years ago. I said. Why don't you make it more like, you know, the people who live around here, you know, more like St. Leroy's or something? He, he didn't think that was but, but But anyhow, we, everybody there, my, I have a sister-in-law still lives there. My brother still lives there in the same city. And it's just great people. I mean, really a great town to live in, our city. You had, uh, how, how large was your family growing up? Pardon? Uh, ten. I'm the ninth of ten. And my, uh, I got four older brothers and five sisters. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the baby boy. I got a younger sister. And uh, I, I always, you know, everybody, oh, man, you're, you're a tough player. 
uh, you played against Joe Green and you played against this guy and that guy. I said, my toughest guys I ever played against were my four older brothers, uh, <laughs> especially Tom and Dave, because they pounded me every time they could. And they <laughs> made sure I was never on their team, ever. I was, so I, I just, man, this is pretty easy. And then I went to grade school or elementary there in sixth grade. We started, fifth grade, I started playing football. They go, here, you can have a helmet. I go, oh. Man, this really helps. <laughs> I said, "Wow, this is pretty cool." But, that explains but a lot. That's just how I grew up. But, I said that explains a lot. Oh, that's yeah. A, so, in your uh, the your father, uh, your family owned a business. Your father owned a business. Yeah, my my dad owned the bar, and uh, he built the bar. It was his bar, and he only went to third grade. His education, but he was really street smart. My mother went to eighth grade. So education was pretty important in our family. They sent us to the Catholic school because it was, you know, public schools weren't, you know, they weren't bad, but they weren't as good as the Catholic school. So, and back then you didn't, your tuition went by children. Like how many, you know, how many, if you have the fifth kid gets in free. Okay. So, and my, my wife has lived right around the block. She's the oldest of eight. Okay. So we have a lot of kids, but it, we had families on our street with 16 17 kids in their family wow. and all, all catholics and they all everybody to this day i don't know anybody who's really a goof off or not pretty successful and uh most of them didn't go to college most uh, they went a lot of people worked at ford or chrysler or the tank plant and um i was one of the i was the only one in my family who went to college so my wife went to nursing school yeah because uh she she couldn't afford they couldn't afford a four year college so she went to the community college and got a nursing degree because uh, it was cheaper but she got educated right. and that's how it was back then and everything's you know, it's, it's just we've been blessed I, I always used to say when I was a kid boy am I lucky then as you grow up you realize no I've been blessed God God has put a lot of things in my life that um, changed it. So, but, you know, I, I just, I'm so lucky to be, or blessed to be married to my wife. And like, we have two large families together. Uh, her brothers and I were best friends, and her sisters uh, hung around with my sister. So, it's been a great, great uh, lifetime for us. I'd say marriage, but we've been married 51 years, but we're both 72 now. Yeah, but, you, but, yeah, but weren't, you, weren't you going, or, or friends are going out there since, like, what, the third grade or something? Well, really, I liked her forever. She said no. I was afraid to tell her. She's real pretty, and she probably said, get out of here, you creep. And I, but I remember once I tried to copy off her, she covered her paper, get out of here, you queer. I was like, whoa. How weird is that now compared? What does queer mean today compared to 50 some years ago? Oh, yeah, she won't I know. Let me copy. Yeah. Oh, I so, know. But, it's, my mom was a taught at a Catholic school, and uh, yeah. she, um, she, this was back in the 70s. And uh, so, you know, they were laughing about something, and she says, you know, and she asked, um, you know, because my mom, you know, went to, you know, went to college during World War II and all that, and she, she says, "Why is everybody so gay?" Meaning, you know, happy, but they, yeah. she, you know, she didn't realize, you know, at that yeah. time. So they all start snickering and everything because it has a completely different meaning then, you know. Exactly. So, so people are people. I, I mean, I mean, I the thing I get about like um, the NFL, they're, they're coming. Uh, all this came out with Black Lives Matter and the 
people are upset with people. Um, I never found it in my life, honestly. I never found any kind of discrimination of any kind. And Elvin Bethay is a real good friend of mine. He's in the Hall of Fame. And we got in the Hall the same time, 21 years ago, we got in the Hall together. And Elvin played a long time, too, and it took him a while to get in the Hall of Fame. He played 16 years. I asked him, I said, did you ever notice anything like that in the locker room? He said, never, never. And now all of a sudden, it's a big deal. How did it become a big deal when it was never a problem way back when? If you're going to have a problem, then 50 years ago, right? Right. Uh, Things have gotten a lot better than, you know, for everybody. But I don't know. I I think people try to make problems when there are no problems. And I think you have a problem if you don't believe in God. That's that's my bottom line. I don't care what anybody says. Well, you this or that. No. you got to believe in God. you got to believe... You know, there's a higher being than us people walking on earth, and that's how I feel. I'm not eloquent about how I speak, but it's just common sense. Like, there's somebody better than us. There's got to be a better place than we're living. So, and nothing's for free. So you got to earn it. Right. But, you know, you got to you got to pay the price to do the right things. Now, El- Elvin went played for for Houston, right? Yeah, he played for Houston. Yeah. And when we played, I played against him like I don't know how many times, twice a year probably for close to twice a year. For he, was, he was defense. 13 years. Yeah. yeah, he was a defensive end, and he Great. played the other end. And all the time I played against that guy, I go, man, this guy, I was thinking to myself, this guy's a maniac. <laughs> then, you know, and then uh, we got in the Hall of Fame together, and my wife they called up, and my wife said, you're in the Hall of Fame. You got in the Hall of Fame. I said, I don't think so. And she said, no, really. Uh, I said, who else is in the class? And uh, they said, Hank Stram, Marcus Allen, uh, James Lofton, Elvin Bethay, and you. I go, are you sure that I'm in there with those guys? They are great players. And I, I ended up being that. So, well, that's a great that, lineup. That, and don't that's, show it's don't, crazy. That's a great lineup, and, and, and I tell you, you deserve to be in that class with those guys. Because I can tell you from a, being a Buffalo Bills fan, you guys, you were uh, – you were, you know, from the electric company. You were just, uh, yeah. but just awesome. And I, you, well, I, I can't believe how fast you were. No, yeah, yeah I told you I had older brothers chasing me my whole life <laughs> <laughs> for real. They go, we'll give you up to two, or we'll give you up to three, and they go one, two, and took off. Catch me, caught you again. Play, you ever play pickle? You ever play pickle? Pickleball. You know where you. Throw the ball between, and then you got to run in between the bases. Oh, right, right, right. Hot, we called it hot box. Yeah. Yeah, hot box. Well, we called it pickle in Detroit. And my sister's watching. My brother's play with me. She goes, Joey, come here. You're an idiot. Those guys are throwing at your head. Throwing <laughs> 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 between bases. They nailed me a couple times. Like, oh, wow. Wow, that hurt. Sorry. But anyhow, those, those were, that was my childhood. We had. We, we had a good time. I'll tell you one other one. My sister, my parents are real strict about my uh, ever hitting a girl or even talking bad to them or not opening the door before the girl got in. So my sister had a teddy bear. She just got She's about six years old. And uh, I tied it up on a bar like a uh, pipe down in the basement, used it as a punching bag and knocked the nose <laughs> off of it. So when Margie comes down, she looks. No, she goes upstairs, grabs a hammer, chases me around the house, hits me in the eye, oh. like in the cheek with the hammer, 
And so I come in and tell her, my mother goes, what in the world happening? What's going on out there? And I said, ah, nothing. She goes, let me see you. So she goes, my eyes all like puffed up. She goes, what happened? I said, Margie hit me with a hammer. What'd you do to her? I called her a name or something. You deserve it. <laughs> so, so I go, what am I going to do about this? She goes, sit down on a porch and wait for the milkman and get some ice and put it on there. So I get, I wait for the milkman. His name is Mervin. I've got my head in my, my hand in my head, or my head in my hand looking down. He goes, what happened to you today, buddy? I look up. He goes, Jesus, what, what happened? You got hit. I go, ah, my sister hit me with a hammer. Could I get some ice? He goes, I'm going to tell you something, son. One of these days, somebody's going to get killed in this house. So, oh my but God. life goes on. Uh, uh, milkman, that brings back memories because, you know, when we had a milkman and then we had a little oh, yeah. the milk box on the side of the house. And if you weren't there, they would open yep. up and take the empties and then put that in there. You know, yep. we had a, yeah, we had the milkman, Eggman, uh, uh, all that. Yep. And then you had to shake the milk because there's cream on top. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, or you but, just get the cream, just skim it off because that was the best part. Yeah. So if you're oh. just tuning, in, I'm going to jump in. If you're just tuning oh, yes. in, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. I, no, I, I, I forgot. I'm just just having a good time here. Yeah, okay. and Charlie's been laughing the whole time too. So <laughs> you guys are slopping off. Here so. Go. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, right. Okay, so you're listening to WSFI 88.5 and uh, 750 AM WNDZ, and uh, we're doing our pledge drive, and, and, and this, we're talking to Joe DeLamalier, uh Hall of Fame uh, football player, uh, from, and we um, need, you know, we're not-for-profit. We need money to, to stay on the air, pay the bills, and um, if you could give us a call at 224-206-8455, that's 224-206-8455. And if you're driving, you know, obviously we don't want you to, you know, to be texting or anything. So if you can remember, WSFIRadio.org, and then you can go and there's a little button there that says Donate Now. So you can do that when you get in front of a computer, and uh, you can uh, do that and uh, use your credit card and send us some money. We'd really appreciate that. And a volunteer donated $250 for a match, so if some someone wants to call and take advantage of that match it can be $250 it can be $5 but one way or another wow. it's a yeah a dollar for dollar match oh, that's so great. we appreciate it if you would uh, or you can send a check in but uh, thank you to Barbara Dolan for making her generous donation oh yeah that's great so Joe <clears throat> you have to tell us the story one of my favorite stories was how you chose what college you went to oh no can you put that on the air I don't know if you can do that well you can tell <laughs> oh yeah I clean I can clean it up I told Matt if you took the F word out of my dad's language in the bar he uh-huh. would be a mute <laughs> but, <laughs> So, but he he never would say a, a, any kind of swear word in front of a, a girl. No. But when he went into the bar, it was like, "Whoa, what happened to this guy?" But that, that's the way it was. And nobody drank in my family, including my father or mother. No one drank. So that's how we still have that business there because that's just part of our family. We don't drink. And they give they have good chili, good hamburgers too. That's, Is that still there? That's a big thing. Yeah, my nephews and nieces own it. Hey, what's the <clears throat> and there's a lot of factories around it. That's why it stays in existence because they can get a lunch real quick. Like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the soup Nazi on oh, yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how it is. You walk in, you give the order, and then nope. get the heck out of there. And we would deliver it. The kids would deliver it. So, you know, um, like walk what's, over. What's the name? So we have, we're broadcasting. Victory Inn. Victory Inn. Victory Inn? It's on 
12 and Mound. 12 Everybody and Mound. Everybody knows about it. Okay, 12 so, Mile and Mound. So we're broadcasting part of the people. I hope you, now we have people in Michigan that are picking up this signal, you know, uh, over there. I just, you don't, the number, you can still give us a call because I know you, and, and I know some of you, we remember Joe here, you know, being from the, playing for Michigan State and also um, give us a call. But anyway, uh, give us give us a quick little rundown on, on how you selected your college. That, that okay, so when I when I was getting recruited, nobody nobody went to college in my family. Nobody knew what was going on. I'm playing fullback and linebacker in high school. So, um, you know, I'm pretty big at that time. I'm like 218 playing fullback in high school. That was a lot, and I was fairly quick. So anyhow, I my first recruiting trip, first time I was ever on a plane, anything to do with uh, college football, the University of uh, Miami recruited me. And Joe Namath played in that game. Joe Namath played the Colts. And I go, Dad, these guys, the University of Miami is going to fly me down. And me and this other guy from uh, New Jersey, his name's Chuck Foreman, they're taking us down there. And then Ted Hendricks was our host. He was at Miami at that time. So we, we go to that game. It was the first time I was ever out of the state of Michigan, I think. And uh, I'm at the Super Bowl, and I'm like, holy crap. We left Detroit. It was When I left Detroit, it was freezing. Land in Miami. The first time I was ever on a plane, I'd get out of the plane. It's like 75 degrees, sunny, all these, um, the band and all that, all the girls, like, in swimsuits. I'm like, what in the world? Where am I, where am I at? And then... We went to the game, the Orange Bowl, when Namath was playing. That that game was not sold out. They said it was sold out. There were a lot of empty seats. And I actually saw that game. So then I'm all excited. The first time I come home, I go, Dad, I'm going to Miami. I can't He said, let me see that. Thing. I said, I signed it. It's a letter of intent. It means I can go there. He rips it up because that's too goddamn far. Are you out of your mind? Your brothers and sisters will never see you play. You go around here somewhere. Okay. So I was Bo Schembechler's first recruit, one of his first recruits at Michigan. And, um, man, I loved him. I, he was like my kind of guy, like my high school coaches like him, they're hard-nosed and everything. And I go, it comes to the final day, I go, Dad, I want to go to Michigan. And my dad goes, I can't pronounce that guy's name. I said, who? Schembechler. How do you say it? Schembechler. I said, Schembechler, Dad, come on, you can pronounce I don't know, no, I don't want you to go there. I go, all right, and then I'm saying, oh, okay, I'll go to Notre Dame. That's a, that's a sure thing. He'll like that. I go, Dad, I, I want to go to Notre Dame. Can't go there. I go, why? Parsesian is a phony. He's not even Catholic. <laughs> I go, what? And then he goes, you go to Michigan State because Duffy, Duffy Doherty is Catholic. I go, yeah, you're right. What was I thinking? And of course I'll go to Michigan State. Do you think that would happen today? With kids, but that's why I went to Michigan State. It was my third pick, fourth pick actually, and I went to Michigan State, and it turned out great. And uh, my mother would always say, um, "God's got a plan for you. If you listen to God, things will work out." And uh, uh, Coach uh, Doherty's second visit to our house, they got two visits. Uh, he brought Father Lambert. The guy was with him, and uh, all he did was talk to my mother. Nobody else talked to anybody. And he just, when he was leaving, he said, Mrs. D, I got to tell you something. If you send your son to Michigan State as a Catholic, he will leave as a Catholic. My mother, oh, Joseph, you got to go there. So that was it. <laughs> they, they, Coach Doherty knew how to recruit, recruit the mother. 
Yeah. Then you're in for sure. Oh, yeah. That's, I had a, a friend of but mine. But that's actually how I went to Michigan State. I had a friend of mine. They called him the king of the living room, and he was, uh, you know, a co- you know, a head coach in the bit, you know, in the Division One, and uh, that's what they call him, the king of the living room. And he says, "Me always tell the mom, always tell." Oh the yeah, mom. oh yeah. It, and it, I went to Duke. I recruited a lot of kids. I got some really good players to go there. Actually, Ben Watson was one of my real good recruits. He played tight end for New England and really? uh, the Patriots and all that. And he, I got him to go there because I just. I met his parents, and I said, "Look, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you, Ben's the most important guy I'm recruiting, and all the kids I recruit, I treat them like they're my kids." And wow. we got Ben to come to Duke. So wow. then he ended up transferring to, uh, oh, he ended up at Georgia because I actually told him that one of the coaches kind of abused him a little, and Ben's an African American kid, you know, said some weird things to him, and. Uh, I said, Ben, don't don't take that from anybody. So I, I actually suggested that he go and go with Mark Rick, who's a Christian guy, and he went to Georgia and was the Patriots' number one pick. Isn't wow. that something? How about that? Yeah. Yep. No. So I mean, God plays a part in your life. You know, if you, know, if you believe in God, you you'll see it all over the place. If you're not looking for God, you won't see it. Yeah. Well, you had a great story also when you were inducted with John. You were inducted in the same class as John Shinsky. Right. That's right. You met John Shinsky. Oh, right yeah. We were in the same class. Yeah. 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 yeah at the Catholic so, Hall of Fame. Yeah. So tell us about that story about your dad saying, pick the biggest, meanest guy. Oh, my dad. Yeah. He he was he always said, you know, common sense thing. I, I go, comes the day I'm leaving for Michigan State. He didn't even drive me. My mother drove me uh-huh. uh, and my sister because... He wasn't all hopped up on me going to college at all. He said it's overrated. That's what he, told me. <laughs> he said we got a bar here you could run. But anyhow, <laughs> so I, I go, Dad, I'm leaving. Mom's taking me to Michigan State. I go, any advice? He said, Yeah, I'll give you some advice. Look for the meanest, <laughs> ugliest son of a gun there and kick his ass. If you do that, maybe you'll be a good football player. So I'm like. I'm like four scump or something. I go, oh, that's good. I go in, I look at this class. There's like 100 kids that are all freshmen. And I see this guy, John Shinsky. He's got a Fu Manchu. And most kids just had peach fuzz. And uh, he, I go, man, if that guy is as mean as he looks, that's the guy I'm going after. So we line up for the first time. Me and John started going against each other. And that was it. We ended up being roommates for our um, freshman year. But uh, after that, I couldn't take John anymore because he was really crazy. So I went and got another roommate who became the director of the Secret Service who played football in Detroit, L.J. Bauer. Oh. So, and, we're off, and the three of us rode to Mexico uh, for the John's Orphanage. Right. I was going to ask Our, you about that, that, that orphanage down there. That, you, that, that was kind of a famous thing you did back then. Yeah. We bicycled uh, 2,000 miles in 18 days, I think it was. And I never rode a bike, honestly. I never did because Detroit, my mother, so you can't drive bikes around or get get out. So I, I just started practicing, and then I, I, I drove it. I rode it, and I told John I would. And John said, John told me he had uh, John Shinsky's my roommate, and he, uh, the orphanage is still running, doing well down in Mount Morris. He said, I got a great idea. We'll we'll go ride a bike to Mexico and ask people to give us a penny a mile see how much money we can raise to start the orphanage. Well, that's how it started. And then Brad Van Pelt, I don't know if you remember Brad. Yeah. He was uh, one of our teammates. So 
John said, me, you, and Brad are going to drive to ride to Mexico, uh, and then we'll make money for this orphanage. So I told my wife, my wife goes, you, uh, Brad, and John, you, you'll never make it. <laughs> Shinsky's a little out there, and uh, what's we call like the party. Uh, Brad, he's a great guy and everything, but he, he was a party guy. And so my wife goes, I, I don't think so. Well, like in that two-week period or three-week period when we were starting this, Brad died. Oh. He, you know, and uh, then John calls her and goes, hey, you know, bad news, Brad died. And I, I was a little concerned about Brad because I, I know he he was a great athlete and everything, a good friend. But if he wasn't, he wasn't real committed to doing the right thing all the time. Little girls and things kind of distracted him. <laughs> so I and I, when we were doing this, I said, John, do you really think Brad can do this? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Can well, he passed away, so I got a sick sense of humor. John causing Joe. I got really, really bad news, but Brad passed away, heart attack in his easy chair. Like. I thought about it for a second. I said, see, John, I told you you wouldn't have made it. And John said, you are a sick man. <laughs> I, I always look at humor. And it, my wife said, that's not funny. I said, think about it a second. I've been telling the guy you won't make it. I said, I got a guy who can do it. L.J. Bowern, he's uh, director of the Secret Service. And my wife said, yeah, Bryce is good because he, he can get you to Mexico. If he can get the president through a... A red light and all these traffic things. He can get you guys to Mexico, and that's how it happened. Now, hey, what, no, Joe, no, just, what year? Just real quick, what year was that? Uh, let me think. I don't even know. My wife would know. It was about fourteen or fifteen years ago. Okay. Okay. It so was when Hurricane uh, Katrina hit, because uh, we we were driving through a lot of those storms. Not that Katrina, but there are a lot of thunderstorms and stuff. Mm. And you can go online and look at it. It's called The Ride, and it's John Shinsky, and the, it'll show you. And Shinsky, he had a, a, some heart thing or something. That, something was physical. They didn't know if he'd make it. And, he, you know, John is well and doing doing great. So, there you go. But it, it was touch and go. I mean, then we were going to be on uh, – it was supposed to be Super Bowl Sunday. They are going to put us on a halftime of that. I'm just telling people this because – God has different plans. Like we're saying, hey, this is a big story because, you know, we're bicycling down three football players. Well, then Katrina hit, and the NFL said that's not a good story to put it. They had it slated for halftime of the Super Bowl, which we thought, oh, my God, this is going to be, we're going to make a lot of money. So they said, okay, you can't do that. But what we're going to do is we're going to put you out for the NCAA basketball thing so we were thinking oh man that's not going to be like the super bowl but what the heck well guess what michigan state comes out of nowhere to get in the final and guess who they're playing Loyola, chicago with the praying nun wow wow and uh, Loyola beat them but still so many michigan state people saw that they couldn't believe it i mean it was just unreal and we i think we got i'm not sure because we got to ask john we raised close to a million dollars uh, on that ride, and we're asking people in uh, e, um, oh, the TV stations, ESPN or not ESPN, but they picked up the story of us and they followed us, hey, and uh, it, it was it did really well. So you know, that, we have someone listening to this broadcast, and he just texted me and said that you didn't know that bikes had gears. 
and that you drove. Oh yeah, in, that's right. He says you drove I only in rode first in two gears. Yeah, he said you drove in first gear all the way to Mexico. That's true. I did. They said you can change <laughs> those gears, make it easier. I go, nah, I don't want to change it. I'm I'm doing okay in this gear. Who texted? But, who is that? So this is Dave Spada. You know David Spada? Oh, David Spada. Yeah, yeah, yeah the guy in Chicago. Yeah, but I did. That's true. That's hilarious. But I was, I was, I, I honestly, I was just, I didn't know what I was doing. I just gutted it out. I, it was pretty difficult, but I, I don't even think about it. Uh, my, I tell my wife, no brain, no pain. Don't worry about it. So. <laughs> David, so that's you got true. It. I did go in one gear. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, so real quick, I got to do that for thing again here, Joe. It's uh, people give us a call at two two four two zero six eight four five five. We have operators uh, waiting to take your call. And again, it's two two four two zero six eight four five five. And if you if you're um, <clears throat> enjoying this wonderful uh, conversation we're having with Joe, uh, you know, just to keep these th- things like this going, um, just you know, please you know, open up your wallet and keep us on the air. Uh, again, it's an, or you can go to wsfiradio.org and hit the donate now button. Okay, Angela. Yeah, I was going to say we're still ninety five hundred short of our goal for February to stay on <clears throat> WNDZ. So any donation donation, large or small. We want to make sure that we're able to give great programming. Joe, we need to make you a regular. This is so entertaining. Oh, okay. This is Catholic made fun. Hey, um, Dave also yeah. men- mentioned that he got uh, the Hall of Famers to sign their jerseys for the orphans last year, and he sent this picture. Talk a little bit about that orphanage in case people don't know what it's all about. Well, it's in Montemoros, Mexico, and uh, I've adopted Two children. I got not not there. I got, adopted two Korean children. Uh, they're in their one's in their forties, and the other one's thirty nine. Two boys, and we have four. We had four children. We adopted these two kids, and then John knew that I was interested in uh, adoption. John Shinsky's so I say we're going to do this for an orphanage. Which you know, I said, hey, that's a good idea. And then these kids are not adoptable. Like uh, they they keep them in the school. They graduate and they get high school and college diplomas. These kids. So it's like a, it's a pretty incredible place, and well, that's how it started. I yeah. mean, that's how the whole thing started. And then, like, and I, I keep a daily diary. Like, I write my book every day, and I've been doing it like for twenty some years. But I, I, everybody, oh, you're so kind. You adopted those boys. I said, you see what I wrote in my book a couple times. I wrote in my book. Jerry and I bit off more than we can chew. I wish we never adopted these guys because I'm being honest. Because, you, you know, kids have problems, but uh, they all turned out good. But it wasn't like, a, you know, we weren't wealthy by any means. We, we didn't make money like they make now. And, um, you know, we just, my, my wife was a pediatric nurse, so it was perfect for her. And I'm a goofball. So it was a good place to raise kids. <laughs> and our, our other children, our, our four children are all successful. My son played at Duke, and he's, uh, my other girls are teachers and that. My son graduated from Duke and went to Hofstra for grad school, and then he played in the blue-gray game and was MVP of the blue-gray game. Then he got hurt hurt his shoulders with the Colts. He signed him as a free agent. He wasn't a real big guy. He was a linebacker. But anyhow, now we live by his four girls, and they're all Christian. They're not Catholic, but they're Christian. uh, Not Catholic yet. Yeah. Not yet. And my one daughter married... uh, Jewish guy, so I call I call those. It's my uh, I forget what I call them. I I always tell them your dad's gonna 
he's got to convert to Catholicism or he's going to go down to you know what. And it's a dry heat. Don't worry, kids. You'll be okay. <laughs> but he better convert. Dry <laughs> so, heat. Don't worry about it. A dry, a dry yeah. heat. Okay. No, and then the kids, will, my wife walks away. Gigi, he's telling us that my daddy may go to. Uh, you know, H E double toothpicks or whatever. <laughs> she goes, Don't listen to that guy. He's just, my voice says, Oh, don't pay no attention to him. She just walks by. But anyhow, <laughs> but, but I kind of got off the subject, but it was about Shinsky and okay. the orphanage. And you're still, you're still good friends with John. Oh, yeah. Talk, at least, we've been talking forever, right. at least once a month, at least once a month. Since we graduated, I think. Yeah, and the, the, same the, with Bryce. And the reason I Bryce, wanted to, to Bryce tell... stood in my wedding, and I stood in Bryce's wedding. And guess, guess what? We're both still married. Fifty-two yeah. years. It'll be fifty-two years. Yeah. So, yeah. It's birds of a fe- if you have a faith to hold you together, you you'll be friends for lifetime. I I believe that. That's true, because you know my wife is. I was just telling her last night that she's my best friend. You know, I know yep. it, it, that's the that's the thing. You know, it's uh. And uh, she's, uh, you know, you know, a devout Catholic, and 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 uh, yep. I, I tell you, I'd be, you know, like I always tell people, if it wasn't for her, I'd be dead. <laughs> yep. Well, I can give you a real quick story too. We had, we raised three other kids who uh, I was coaching in high school in Charlotte. Anyhow, three of the boys, two were African American, one was white. So we had uh, nine kids in the house at one time, and Jerry's working part time. I'm coaching and figuring everything out, how, how to feed nine kids and all this stuff. So the one kid, Manuel Campbell, who's African-American, he said after living with us for a couple months, he goes, Miss D, you know something? If coach died, you could have a husband in a week, maybe a month, two months at the most. And she goes, oh, Manuel, you're so silly. And then Manuel takes another bite of his food. He says, but if you die, Miss D, Coach is dead in a week. <laughs> he don't do anything. So, we always use that forever. That was. Oh, yeah, it's funny. So I just got another text. This is from John Zelinsky. He said that Brad Van Pelt's death date was February 17th, 2009. Okay, that's when we went, 2009. Thank 2000. you. Yeah. Tell him thank you for giving me that date. I, I couldn't remember. The reason I wanted to bring up the date because I wanted to p- let people know this is this was after, you know, your career and your, uh, you know, and, oh, yeah. and you didn't do this while you were still playing. So that's the no, reason I wanted no. to get the date down. No, it was after I was done playing. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But-, but a lot of people know about this ride because it was kind of unusual. People... People don't ride 2,000 miles in like 18 or 19 days right. for and an so, orphanage. And, and, and someone who's never been rode a bicycle, didn't you like have to hire a trainer or something to learn how to ride a bike? Yeah, I did. I went. <laughs> I was living in Charlotte, and I went to this girl, and she said, oh, I, I said I'm going to do this ride. And she said, you'll never make it. So I go, well, how do you know? She, she was like Olympian or something. She just, and then she, I, she said, you come here, I'll show you. you know? So I went to her shop, and she trained me for a while. 
a couple, you know, 10, 12 days. She goes, oh, you'll make it. After I, after I worked out with her, she goes, oh, you, you can make it. You're just going to have to probably use one gear because you don't know how to shift it while you're driving. <laughs> well, you're, you're so, just, a, you know, and, and I've, you know, I've met you, and so you're just in, in, in phenomenal shape still. And, uh, you know, you, you work out like every day, and uh, uh, you're, you're really dedicated to that. So I, had, I wouldn't even see a problem with you making it back then. Well, they're just riding the bike. I mean, that's difficult. The, you know, the changing of gears and all that. It's not easy. But I did another thing. I, I'm addicted to, like, sugar. I was. I've gotten off it a little. I, I used to love uh, Dunkin' Donuts and all those things. So I walked by a Dunkin' Donuts shop in Charlotte, and this kid's selling dunk, donuts outside of Dunkin' Donuts. I go, what are you doing? How, why are you selling donuts out in front of Dunkin' Donuts? I go, oh, they're donating it to me because... Um, he stands up. He has no legs. He's a, two prosthetic legs, and he said, "I'm uh, earning money to so I can walk. You know, get new legs, new new prosthetics." And um, I guess the government doesn't pay for him once you're 18. Anyhow, he's raising money. I said, "Hey, I got an idea. I'll walk because when you go to Canton, when you get in the Hall of Fame, people always say, welcome back, welcome back to Canton. Thank you for coming." I go, "Hey, if I ever, I'd walk if I had to." Like a, a lightning bolt hit me. Hey, if I'll call Joe Horgan, who's vice president of the Hall of Fame and still is, I said, I want to do something else because we did the bike ride. I said, I want to walk from Buffalo to Canton because all the people in Canton always say, are you coming back next year? I said, if I had to, I'd walk. And then so I, I told Joe that. And he said, hey, if you want to walk, we'll we'll put it out up on the website and have people donate to it and stuff like that. And that's what happened. I walked from Buffalo to Canton and helped another kid. Well, how many miles is that, Joe? <laughs> 203. 213, but who was counting? Yeah, but wow. well, it's... It's 213. I started on the 50-yard line in Buffalo and wow. walked to Canton. Wow. You know, you had a great... <laughs> a... Oh, go ahead, Bill. Go sorry. ahead. You had a... uh, it, was, it was tremendously hot then, and Bernie Kosar lives in... Um, Oh, shoot. Youngstown? Right. He's around Youngstown, so I walked down around that way. So he stopped and joined me for a while. He goes, Jesus, it's hot. I can't, I, you know, I'm not, and Bernie's a good Catholic, too. Anyhow, he goes, ah, man, I said, Bernie, please take it in. He, he's an Irishman. His face is all red and everything. I said, it was like 100 degrees with the heat index. So he said, okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so I just kept going. But he, he tried to walk with me for a while. It was so hot, you wouldn't have believed it. And I did it in 13, or uh, I did that in uh, eight, eight or nine days. I, they gave me 10. I made it in nine. Wow. But, so you had, but a, was, you had a support team following you, though, I'm sure. No, I didn't. I had my college roommate, and uh, and uh, he he drove. And he, we me and him, we stayed at, uh, oh, shoot, the Holiday Inn Express, I think it was. And they they sponsored us, you know, to to stay in the rooms for free. Okay. Oh, and, and, but then Bryce says, no, he was the only guy behind me. Okay. I'd walk through the uh, back then. What what the heck? Uh, those people? Uh, it's a religion. They're the Mormons, not Mormons. Uh, Jehovah Witness. Mennonites. Yeah, yeah. One of one of those. You know, they live in Pennsylvania. Right. Those, oh, those the Pennsylvania. They don't Dutch. believe. In, they don't believe in electricity and all this stuff. Right. Well, I'm walking by. I'm hearing them, like the they're on, they're farming. I hear music. They're listening to radios. I said, "I thought you guys don't uh, listen." It was, they're Mormons. So right. I thought you guys don't listen to music in that. Only when we were 
only when we work, sir. Uh, <laughs> so, there you so, go. It was crazy. Run into all kinds of people. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned about a nun that gave you a medal. You talked a little bit about yep. that. Do you remember that? Tell us about that story. Yes, I do. I, it's, um, when I, I got the Forrest Gregg Award, and um, the, uh, the nun told me, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I was catching balls. Uh, my teacher was throwing footballs. She called me into the office, and she goes, I got to talk to you, Joseph. Uh, okay, sister. I'm thinking she's going to tell me, don't act like my brother Tom. <laughs> I'm sure that's because he had, he had some issues and stuff. So she goes, uh, I don't I don't want you to, uh, you know, turn out like that. And I go, oh, oh. No, she didn't say that. I thought that's what she was going to say. Oh, no. She just said, Joseph, you're different than the rest of the kids here. So uh, I go, oh, what? So she's going to give me this message. What is this one? St. Sebastian. St. Sebastian, the Medal of St. Sebastian. And uh, I go, she goes, you know who that is? I said, no. He's a patron of athletes. Oh, wow. Cool. I thought it was like a good luck charm. You know, hey, you are right. Then she tells me, patron of athletes. So you wear this, and God will be, God's got a plan for you. So I put it on in fifth grade, and I kept it on. And I'd lose it, you know, hundred times. You're playing football and stuff; it rips off. Give I go get another one. So I'm wearing it right now, Saint Sebastian. And wow. She said he's a patron saint of athletes, and he's got a plan for your life. And I just kind of blew it off. I didn't think anything, but I kept the medal because I thought it was a good luck charm. That, that's exactly, you know, at first, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> I'm playing high school football, and I get a scholarship. That was like, oh, well, man, I can't believe this. And I go to Michigan State, and I start. I'm the only starting, me, the only two starting sophomores. Me and uh, three, Dan Pelt, myself, and Shinsky were the three starter sophomores. And so I go to Michigan State, play there, make All-American, get drafted in the first round. Don't think anything about this medal. I'm not thinking, boy, this is great, St. Sebastian State. I'm not thinking anything other than I like wearing this medal. So I get drafted by the Bills in the first round, and everybody's all excited. And so now I got to sign my contract. I go up and take a physical in Buffalo. I have a heart murmur, and they say you can't play football. You're something's wrong. You know you got inverted T wave. They called it, and uh, it's a sign like you got a weak heart or something. So, oh my God! So me and my wife are we're married. We're driving back to Detroit, and I go. Guess I can't play. Now what are we going to do? She goes, now what you're going to do? You're going to probably teach and coach history or teach history and coach. You know, it's not the end of the world. Just, you know, we'll figure it out. So we go back. I go to Duffy Doherty, who my dad and mom says Catholic. Duffy Doherty says, there's there's nothing wrong with you. They made a mistake. I got a friend at the Cleveland Clinic. And he said, I'm sending you there. So they send me to Cleveland Clinic. Clear Bill, Bill Fellows, the doctor said, I don't know who made this uh, diagnosis, but there's nothing wrong with you. Hmm. You're fine, and you can play. So now I can play. Now, oh, man, a second chance. like coming from rising from the dead almost like for me. It's like going from having something, having nothing, and then back to have a chance. So I went back to Buffalo, and I signed my contract, and that was it. The rest is history, but... That's how God's played a part in my life. And I have a brother who he passed away. My brother Daryl is a real Christian guy. And he said, uh, 
uh, I go, I can't believe I flunked my physical. He said, you probably didn't flunk your physical. God just wants to change your heart, make wow. sure you know what's going on. That there's more to life than sports and all about, you know, every, a lot of people play sports are really kind of selfish. And you got to be because you got to take care of yourself. He said, there's other things in life besides sports. God's making you aware of this at a young age. Yep. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that conversation. And you, you wore a said, scapular too, didn't you? Have, didn't you mention that you had a scapular on when you were playing football? Yeah, well, no, I, I I kept the thing. Everybody t- told me to wear a scapular. My mother, because uh, those don't rip off. A, 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 chain, a chain, you know, breaks. Scapulars cloth, and it's like, and you just you'd be all sweaty in that. But but we always. My mother gave us scapulars all through. You know, when we pray and stuff. She's, that was like a real treat for us. Here's a scapular word for a while. No, no, we were talking the other the other day and, and, and about the, the, the other players in the league that were uh, Catholics, and you said you could always tell the Catholic guys, you know, just the way they played. Yeah, like Casper. When you told me Casper, uh, you know, on your show, that doesn't surprise me. That guy's a tough guy. He's a little nutty too. You <laughs> know, he's. We talk to him all the time. He's a great. He's he's actually on our board of advisors. He's a great guy. That's yeah, he is a you. great guy. He's really good, good Catholic guy. But you know, he's got some quirks about him. But John Shinsky's Catholic. That that guy's a tough guy. There, I'm trying to think so many Catholic guys that we hung around with. Kuchenberg was he was a Notre Dame guy. And then you probably um, played against Mike McCoy. Oh yeah, Mike McCoy. I'm sorry, I didn't even think of that. But yeah, but you know, we just played against each other. We really never talked. I just thought. Mike was one of the be- those big, dumb defensive linemen who can't talk. So, <laughs> hey, he's no. on tomorrow at 10. No. Huh. I know. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He but is. he was Notre Dame all the way. Oh, big and, time. What? Yeah, well, I played with Walt Potowski, too, another Notre Dame guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just I've had everybody said, man, you work so hard at practice. I go, listen. You, I don't work hard. I play hard. When you work hard, you have real jobs. This is not a job. It's it's a game. And they go. I said, no. That that's how I feel. I, I don't. This is you know. People always. I, I always love football. The movies. This guy is a hard worker. Hard worker. What? Jumping rope and pushing the sled. That's not hard work. <laughs> uh, people have real jobs. That's hard work. No, Getting I... up and going a grind with no no. Um, no, no happiness at the end of the week. You know, like you win a game or lose a game, you have, you know, emotion. But you, you just gotta dig in and go to work every single day. It's tough. And uh, I always just thought I was blessed to have an opportunity to get different feelings in my head and my heart, and know know people from all over the country. Yeah, that you would have never had a chance to meet unless I played sports. And uh, the the quote that I if you remember reading from your um, acceptance speech. Was that uh, I, I just enjoyed it. I liked working hard and I liked doing the little things that, that would make you good. I loved football. I loved playing it. Yeah. That's a quote from, that was the, it was a quote yeah. from, from you in your, in your acceptance speech. Yeah. And I was lucky too. You always say you got to have luck and people put you in play. I, when I was a senior, uh, my senior year in college, I was going to go to the Hula Bowl because the Hula Bowl is in Hawaii. And my, uh, my wife and I are married, so they take you to Hawaii and or wherever. So I go, man, I'm going to. I got invited to go to the Hula Bowl, and Coach Doherty called.
calls me in his office and says, you're not going to hula ball. He said, a lot of people don't know about you in the country yet, that you're a good player. And he said, I want you to go to senior bowl because that's where the co- uh, pro coaches coach it. And he said, you get a better opportunity to get drafted there. So I, I said, okay. So I raised, strapped the hula bowl, which was on the same weekend as the senior bowl. And I went to the senior bowl and Buffalo is the coaching staff. So how could that be? So Buffalo, Jim Ringo is my line coach, and he was a small guy, but he's in the Hall of Fame. And when I weighed in, I weighed 240, uh, 243, which was even small back then. And so Coach Ringo reads out the thing to the scouts behind him. He goes, Delamalier, 255. I look at him like, what? <laughs> and he goes, he just whispers, hope we see you in Buffalo. And they drafted him in the first round. And what, what was the size of your helmet, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. Seven to five. I don't have a real fat head. It's kind of fat, but David... fatter heads. <laughs> okay, because David Spade had just texted me that. Ask him about the size of his helmet. I, I kid him. Tell David Spade to take a hike. David Spade. <laughs> he, he's listening, so he heard you. <laughs> Good. Take a hike, David. <laughs> well, he also said you helped the wounded warriors. Yeah, we do that. I do that. I do a bunch of stuff. I always say, God put me in the right place at the right time to help most people I can. And that happens all the time. You obviously see people who need help. My wife and I do stuff with St. Vincent de Paul also, which Mm -hmm. will make you appreciative of what you have if you do stuff for St. Vincent de Paul, because a lot of people are hurting in this country right now. They are. They are. They are. They're saying that people are going going without two meals a week. Wow. To make oh, ends yeah. meet, to make ends right? meet, wow. the average. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough. And when you go to St. Vincent de Paul, we meet like every Wednesday or every other Wednesday, um, and they give you a list of people you gotta go help. And we got like fourteen or fifteen people. We, everybody's got three or four people on their list to go help and try. You know, you gotta teach them how to even get to the money. You know, people don't. They're out there. They have no idea how to get help. And St. Vincent de Paul helps a lot of people. Right. I got to do a quick little call here again, again, uh, Joe. So, okay. so uh, the, everybody that's listening, and we're doing the, uh, our pledge drive, and we have Joe DeLamalier, Hall of Fame NFL player. And uh, if you've been enjoying this l- the past hour, and I know I have, and uh, we're getting calls in that are listening, and uh, it's been very entertaining. So to keep shows like this on for, for us, uh, please give us a call and give us whatever you can, uh, 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. We have operators uh, waiting to hear from you. Or, again, if you aren't don't have access to your phone, or you wait to get to your computer, go to WSF. FIRadio.org, and there's a Donate Now button, and uh, you can uh, help us out that way. Okay, I have to ask a groupie question. Is that okay? Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, here's the groupie question. What was it like to play with O.J. Simpson? He was like uh, the superstar of our nation at that time. Yeah. I mean, he was. it was unbelievable because I went from Michigan State to Buffalo. That was my rookie year when he got 2,003 yards, and he was the most uh, he, he was one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. We used to get mad at him because we practiced at Niagara uh, camp was there, and he would never leave the field till he signed all the autographs that people wanted. And so they said, "Don't leave until all We go, "Come on, man! It's we're like forty-five minutes after practice. He's still out there signing." Wow! And that—that's how he was. And we'd have a Halloween party by gifts, you know, first, second place, third, third place prize. 
he he took us to the movie when uh, he was on. Can't remember the movie. It's pretty funny. He was in uh, Naked Gun. No, it wasn't. It was a. Uh, it wasn't really funny. He was funny in it because he's he's trying to act real serious. Uh, the Towering Inferno. Oh, okay. Remember that one? Okay, yeah, I remember that. I think, remember he was a Naked Gun. Remember he kept on getting all his. Yeah, he was a Naked Gun. But when he did uh, Towering Inferno, we'd always say, "There's a fire on Fifty Seven. That was one of his lines or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, every time he he'd be all upset. And then he 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 was a real competitive guy, though. I mean, he. He wanted to win at everything. And, yeah. You know. And they said his helmet it, size was bigger than yours. Oh, it was, yeah. We used to call him headquarters. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's real sensitive to it. People with fat heads don't like to talk about it. They get real upset about it. But he had a fatter head. Than, he had a bigger head than mine. He beat me. So, yeah, I had but, a, now he was the guy that actually Nick gave you the, your offense, the offensive line, the electric company. He didn't give it uh, the publicity guy, Bud Thalm, Tom, and his name was. Okay. They were trying to think of a name to, you know, hey, we got to think of a nickname because they had the Purple People Eaters, the Fearsome Force, and all this. Right. But there's no offensive line. So his son was like nine years old, Bud Tallman's. And there was a cartoon called uh, The Electric Company right. yeah. way back when. Yeah. And uh, the nine year old boy said to Bud Tallman, hey, Bud, or Dad. Why don't you name him the electric company? Because they turn loose the juice, <laughs> and that's how that's what happened to it. Wow! And what's really funny about that? We never got a penny for anything. Like, do you, you know, if you, if that would have happened nowadays, could you imagine how many T-shirts you could have sold? Turn loose the juice, and but we never. None of that was available. Nobody even thought about it. But that that name has stuck for over fifty years. The electric company. I used to now Reggie McKenzie. We uh, is uh... he's from Detroit. He's from Detroit also. Right. And he went to Michigan. So I've known Reggie a long, long time. Right. And uh, and then when Chuck Knox went to Seattle, he took Reggie he took with Reggie. him. Yeah. Yeah, I took Reggie. Yeah. When Chuck Knox came to Buffalo, I left because I didn't get along with Chuck. Reggie got along with him fine, but I mean. I, I was used to Lou Saban, who was a hard-nosed, blue-collar guy, and Chuck, he liked the little flair. I didn't, I, and I was said, he said, you don't like me? I said, it's not that I don't like you, coach. I just don't respect how you coach. Uh, <laughs> well, that, say goodbye. So that, and he that, thought he put, he, he thought he punished me, sending me to Cleveland. Yeah. And Cleveland, I will go on Brian's sites there. He's the MVP of the league. He only got sacked 10 times. And uh, we won the, uh, the, we were first place. We beat Pittsburgh and Houston and Cincinnati. That was a tough division. But you, so, he passed for 4,000 yards. Yeah, he, he was the first 4,000-yard passer. And you, and you were and blocking for the first, Yeah, and OJ was the first 2,000-yard rusher. So right. So I, you, I, I've been surrounded by great people. That's what I'm saying. It's, I, believe me, the right guard didn't pass for 4,000 or rush for 2,000. But I helped. And uh, that's that, to me. That's people want to say, "Oh, if he's exaggerating, God puts you in those places." Yeah, he does. He that I was traded to Cleveland. I wasn't happy about that because right. I wanted to go to Detroit because right. that's where I was from. And then he traded me Cleveland. And I I said in the paper, they said, "Oh, you're a real blue collar guy. You born in Detroit, drafted by Buffalo, traded to Cleveland." I said, yeah, my, my biggest fear is Gary, Indiana's going to get an expansion team. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so the thing somebody, is, is that you were not somebody from Gary wrote me back said, 
come, you'd love it. So. <laughs> That's but, not listening here. But right, the Gary point Andy. is, is yeah. that there's got people that make a name for themselves as a as a as a run run blocker or a pass blocker, and you were excelled at both. You know, being a being, I, being a pass. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know why I did because I had a great, probably the greatest offensive line coach in football, and then the second great coach was Howard Mudd, who was in uh, Cleveland Riser. So I had two great coaches, not good coaches, great coaches. What makes wow. a great and, coach? What makes a great coach, Joe? Well, to me, is first of all, they know they know their material. They know who they're coaching. What's your personality? Uh, my personality is totally different than Reggie's or, you know, Donnie Green or those guys. I he always said, "I love you because you don't. I don't have to worry about you at all. I know that when you go home, you you're going home and." When you, we say workout, you, at nine o'clock you're there at ten or ten minutes to nine, and this, so you kind of know your uh, personnel and you know who you can push, who you can't push, who needs to be coddled, who doesn't need to be coddled. Not that that's bad. It's just that's their personality. Some people like to be babied, some people like to be bullied, actually, and some people just like to be taught. So those three things, and you got to figure it out which player does what. Right. How they how you can get the best out of them. Just a quick little aside. Angelo's cousin was the offensive line coach for uh, oh, for he bounced around the league a little bit. He was offensive line coach for the Patriots for a couple of Super Bowl teams. Yeah, it's a rough business. It okay. Is. Yeah. So he had John Hanna then. Yeah. John well, Hanna. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. 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 You were yep. you were friends with John Hanna. Oh, very good friends. Yeah. Right. He was a good Christian guy. Yeah. 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 Well, he, he's a. Uh, He's a no BS guy. He could, he get, he'd get after you. And in fact, Coach Ringo coached him also. I said, I think John's the best player in football. And Coach Ringo said, you're right up there with him. He said, John's problem is he's such a hothead. You could get to him if he ever. He said, you you you're a real level. I was always real level. But he I said, if John would have a bad play. John would he would go off. He you know he was just that that's the type of person he is. So but I, I think he's the greatest guard to play, one of the greatest. So I hear Randall McDaniel. The, the music is coming in the background, so Angela's going to have to say a couple of words because we're going to have to wind up this wonderful hour here. Joe, go ahead, Angela. Joe, well, this is my favorite <laughs> Sheerathon ever. Just listening to you this past hour, you've been such a wonderful, wonderful guest, entertaining and faithful Catholic. We can't thank you enough for coming on the air. Thank you so well, very much. Well, God's answer is my prayer again. I said, God, help me put me in the right place at the right time help the most people we can Amen. and that's what you guys do every day god bless you joe we're going to be back at one o'clock for um scott puccino he's the uh baseball division Thank head for, for octagon so yeah we got mass antioch 88.5 fm catholic radio share stay tuned for more community hosts and opportunities to pledge your support call 224-206-8455 that's 224-206-8455 or visit our website wsficatholicradio.org to make your tax-deductible pledge. All 12 men, they responded promptly.